So there's this guy named George, and he was born in Virginia a long, long time ago, and he was not good at math. And I don't know if any of you are not good at math, but he was also one of them. And he got made fun of for not being very smart in school, but he decided, you know what, I'm gonna apply myself. I'm gonna work really hard. And so he applied himself and he worked throughout the years. And at age 16, he was a master of things like geometry, trigonometry, algebra, basically calculus stuff. And so he became a master of those things at age 16. A year later, he got a job that allowed him to apply all of that stuff that he had worked so hard for as a young person. At 17, he became a surveyor, the official surveyor for his county in Virginia. And what that meant was he basically got sent out into the wilderness and he measured, he measured the heights of different mountains and hills and he, and he created topographical maps for these places. At age 17, he was out in the woods by himself, carrying around like big chains and logs, trying to figure out how tall and measuring these things. He did some pretty impressive stuff. There was a, a lady named Clara and at age 11, she was really shy. She, nobody, nobody, she didn't really like to talk to anybody. She was so shy and maybe that's kind of like you. And she was shy. She didn't know what to do. So, but one day, her brother fell off a roof and he got really, really badly injured. And back in this time, they didn't have great medical help. And so to, in order to take care of him, Claire had to step up. She went to the hospital and learned how to basically become a nurse at age 11. And they were surprised when they watched her, she acted just like an experienced nurse. She, she cared, her care for her brother was top notch and she cared for him for two years. Then a year later, one of the, her dad's farm hands got smallpox. And so then she began not just taking care of her brother, but also the smallpox victim. And so then all of a sudden there became a smallpox outbreak and she became head of this ward at 14 or 15 years old and taking care of many different patients that all had smallpox. And then by the age of 17, she was a school teacher. You're like, I know school teachers, but I am 17 in school. Yet she was a school teacher at 17. There was another boy named David. He was 10 years old when he decided that he was going to be a sea cadet. And so he, on, he comes on a ship as a cadet. And so he's working alongside of men, working on lifting sails and, and doing all of the things that you do on a ship. At age 11, he was in his first naval battle and he saw war at age 11. And then by the time he was in, uh, 12 years old, he became responsible for his very own ship. It was a ship that his 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 captain had captured. And so he put this young man named David at 12 years old in charge of taking the captured ship and crew and captain back to America to be imprisoned. And so he is now the captain of the ship, the the actual captain, the enemy captain of the ship who had just been captured did not take kindly to being a 12 year old being in charge of his entire ship. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go downstairs and get my pistols, which I guess apparently back in the day, the captured people were allowed to have their guns. Doesn't seem super smart to me, but he goes, I'm going to go downstairs and get my pistols and we're going to have, we're going to have words and stuff. So then David at 12 years old, politely lets the captain know, he says, listen, you can go downstairs and you can get your pistols. If you set foot on top of this deck with your pistols, I will have you shot and thrown off the ship. At 12 years old, this kid showed some real cojones. All these people did things when they were young, right? They did things at, at our, at many of your ages or younger, and they did things, but they didn't, and they didn't wait till later in life to do important things. What you do and how you live now matters. It matters. 
You are setting the foundation for your future. The trajectory of your future is set in how you live life today. What the rest of your life looks like can depend on what you do in this season of life. You are planting seeds for the future. Whatever you're doing now is, is what you will, you will see in the future. There's a fancy term called reaping and sowing. Right now, you can be reaping, planting good seeds or bad seeds. And the truth is, whatever you plant, you will sow or you will harvest. You will see the fruit of it. If you plant good seeds, you will see good fruit. If you plant bad seeds, you will, you will see bad fruit. So it says in Galatians 6, let's look at this verse in 7 through 10. It says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seed of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that, that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. So the scripture is saying, whatever you plant now, you're going to see in the future. What you plant now depends on the habits you you have now, the way you're living your life now. What habits you allow now will affect your future later. Your spending habits will affect your future. Your sleep habits now will affect your future. Your eating habits now can affect your future. Exercise habits, school habits, time management habits, like what you do in your free time habits, all of those things and the habits you have now will affect your future. There are good habits. We know those. Eating well or exercising, quiet times. We know what good habits are. Those ones where we limit ourselves on screen time. We limit our, how much we're spending on Netflix. We, we limit what we're spending money on. All those things. We understand there's good habits. And we clearly know there's bad habits. The bad habits of sleeping in too late, not exercising, eating poorly, spending too much money on stuff. There's, there's bad habits of, of smoking, vaping, all of those things. Whatever it is. The truth is, the cost of your bad habits are in the future, but the cost of your good habits are in the present. And I think it's important to remember that the cost, meaning you're going to pay for your habits either way, that if you think the cost of good habits is too much right now, there is still a cost for the bad habits later. The cost of your bad habits are in the future, but the cost of your good habits are in the present. Pay now by having good habits, maybe you miss out on some fun. Maybe you miss out on that, that thing that's going on. Maybe you miss out on, on not, not getting to play as many video games or you miss out on that opportunity you, of that party. You miss out on some stuff, but it's setting you up for better later. There's not a cost for what you're doing now if you have good habits later. But if you, do, if you use bad habits, you're, you're not going to pay for it right now. You're going, it's awesome. Everything's great. But it's time wasted. And then it's going to cost you in the future. And then this is what I need you guys to understand. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying don't celebrate, do, do things. But I'm also saying be, be weary and be aware of what's going on in your life. And so the, the biggest thing you have, there's three habits I want us to make sure we take control of. And the first one is time habits. You might be saying, Joe, 
I've got all the time in the world, and right now in high school, this summer, all I want to do is I want to have fun. I just want to live my life. I want to do what I want. I want to sleep in. I want to spend all the time on my phone. I want to do all of that stuff. But guys, here's the truth. Time is one thing you can't get back. There's, time is not something that you can get more of. Once it's gone, it's gone. It is a complete, finite resource. And so you have to be careful with your time. You have to take care of your time. You have to invest your time wisely. Kind of a a word of that is be a good steward of your time. And here's the thing. I don't think 20 years down the road or maybe maybe even later on your deathbed, I don't think when you think of this time of life, you're going to look back and go, man, I I really, really wish I would have watched more Netflix in high school. I just wish that I would have done that. I feel like I could have watched way more shows. There's so many shows on Netflix, and I don't feel like I lived up to my full potential of watching Netflix episodes. I don't don't know you're going to say that. I don't know if you're going to say, man, look back 20 years from now, and you're going to go, and and you're going to, in high school, you're just, why didn't I scroll Instagram more in high school. I could have seen so many more pictures of cats and I could have done, you're not going to say, man, I wish I would have played PUBG for way longer than I did. You're not going to say, I wish I would have drank more beer in high school. You're not going to say, I wish I would have smoked more weed in high school. Those things you're not going to say 20 years from now or on your deathbed looking back in this season of life. But you know what you might say? is you might say, man, I wish I would have been smarter with my money back then because now I've got all these bills and I don't have money for anything. Maybe you're going to say, man, I wish I would have taken better care of my body back then because now I'm, I'm dealing with knee issues today or I'm dealing with this weird head thing because I got too many concussions playing football. I wish I would have taken better care of my body back then. Maybe you say, I wish I would have done better in school. Me, this happened to me. My mom told me a freshman year of high school, she promised me that if I got a 3.8 GPA or higher at the end, like at graduation, that she would buy me a new car. Do you know what I got a GPA for high school? 3.4. I wasn't even that far away. But here's the thing. The cost of my bad habits of not doing my homework, and and I didn't even skip class. I just didn't do all the work. I didn't apply myself. But the bad habits of not doing homework, not studying for tests, those things, I didn't have to pay for those things right away. I got to take it easy every night. I got to just go hang out with friends. I didn't have to stay home and study. But those bad habits literally cost me a brand new car upon graduating. All right, if I would have had the good habits, if I would have paid the price earlier and, and went to school, and well, I went to school, but like do my homework, study, work hard, and make sure I got those, I would have gotten, I would have paid that price, but I would have gotten a new car at the end of school. You can see how those bad habits have costs. Maybe 20 years down the road or on your deathbed, you would say, I wish I would have learned another language. I wish I would have hopped on Duolingo and spent like 10 minutes a day, but instead I wasn't, I didn't do anything to like better myself in high school. Or maybe you're just saying, I picked up an instrument and I wish I would have played something. What will you do with your time? Because the time for us here on earth is limited. In the areas that matter most, you can't make up for misspent time. You can't pull an all-nighter on the most important things. You can pull an all-nighter for school, for work, for chores, But you can't pull an all-nighter for maturity. You can't pull an all-nighter for talent or financial health. The question is, what do you want to do with your life? And a lot of you go, I don't know. And you know what I have to say? Like, that's okay. It's okay that you don't know. But I would say this, do something. 
Try something, figure something out because you never know what that something how it will set up your life. I was a distance runner as a kid. And so from like seven to 12 years old, my life was running. From like January through August, I was competing in these, in these races. I was like the fastest 10-year-old in the mile in the nation uh, when, I, when I went to nationals for the Junior Olympics. I, running was my life. I had a plan. I was investing in my future. I wanted to go to Stanford and, and on a running scholarship. And I wanted to be like an Olympic distance runner. And that was a very real possible goal for me at the age of 12. But you know what I found out at the age of 12? Running sucks. I hate it. I don't like it, okay? I try now and, and I don't like it. And so I figured, I found that out and I decided, why am I doing this? This isn't that fun. Sure, everybody likes that I do that, but I don't like this. And so I stopped running at 12 years old, five years of my life. Almost every day for half of every one of those years was spent running and doing well. And I just walked away from it because it wasn't what I wanted to do. Then I said, well, what am I going to do now? And I got really interested. I was like, career. Got closer to high school. Thinking about what could I do with my career? And I said, you know what? I really like science. And so I did different science programs. In middle school, I was on the River Watch Club, which meant I went, went to like the Colorado River and took samples of the river and like checked the chlorine and the pH levels of the river and sent it into the like, Department of Wildlife. I, then in high school, I took all of the science classes and I got all the way through like all the AP classes because I was really interested in science. I went to science camp in high school, okay? I went, spent six weeks at United, uh, or, uh, University of Northern Colorado in Greeley and went to science camp and learned cool stuff about science. I worked at the Sacramento Research Center here in Junction at, and working on different like hantavirus diseases and, and like learning how to do all of that stuff because I wanted to be an immunologist and I invested and I spent time doing those things. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to go to college for all of this. And then God's I, I, I was planning on going to see you in Denver for this stuff, and God paused, took once again, said, why don't we, don't, why don't we do something different? And then all of a sudden, he, he started stirring, and I had, whilst I was doing that, started stirring a, a passion in me for worship. And so he said, I don't want you to do science. I want you to do this. And so what I'm trying to say is if there's something you think you want to do, work on it. Because had I have just held up my hand and said, I don't know what I want to do, and if I change my mind, then it'll all be a waste, then I wouldn't be ready for anything when it comes to my future. I would have just been, I would have just been nothing. And so the fact that if I would have gone to college for science, I would have been ready. I would have invested with good habits before, and I would have been ready. But that's okay. Then all of a sudden, I, I decided, well, I'm going to work, uh, work in worship, like youth ministry. I want to be a worship pastor. That's what I want to be. And, and what I did as a young person allowed me to do that. I was in the band in high school, and I played bass uh, in the band, and I did backup vocals uh, in, in Vertigo, and, and I worked on those things. But the truth was, is that wasn't my main thing. And so I didn't practice. I didn't put a ton of work into that. And I remember uh, the worship leader kind of before me, before that person. So that was the worship leader when I was in high school. She decided she was going to quit. And I remember thinking, well, 
I, I'm kind of like, I sang, I, I haven't led, but I, you know, maybe, maybe they'll think about hiring me for this position because I don't know who else they're going to hire. There's nobody else here. And so, so maybe they'll, maybe they'll think about me at 18 years old who did, who only knew how to play bass guitar and wasn't that good of a singer, but maybe they'll hire me. I don't know. Maybe fingers crossed, right? You know, they didn't. Um, they didn't even think twice and I'm sure they didn't, I didn't, my name didn't even pop up in the discussion. And that's okay, but you know what happened was I had done nothing with my habits earlier. I had not paid the cost earlier with good habits to be ready for that moment. And so then I said, okay, if this moment ever comes up again, I need to be ready. I need to be ready. So what did I do? I picked up acoustic guitar. I taught myself acoustic guitar. I practiced every day. I started singing every day. I went to college and learned music theory and, and ear training and doing all of these things and, and listening and working on music ministry type stuff and figuring it all out. The next worship pastor, I'm watching him, seeing what he's doing. How can I do it better? What is he doing? Oh, that's good. I should do that as well. Learning and working and putting in the good habits so that the next time the job opening came around, my name got called up. I had done the good habits to where when that moment came, it was ready. What you do today can help make sure that you're ready for what God has for you in the future. And this is what you need to know. What, what each of us will become later in life largely depends on what we become now. The best never just are the best. LeBron James is not the best basketball player in the world because he just is. It's because he has put hours and hours and hours into his ball handling skills, into his shooting skills, into his passing skills, all, and, and watching film, learning the game, becoming a master of the game. The, the best football players, the best musicians aren't just the best musicians. They have put in time. They've put in the good, they've used good habits to get to where they're at. There's this theory that if you want to be a master at anything, it's 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is what you need to put into something to be a, like, not just the best, but just to be a, like, elite person at that. So if whatever it is you're thinking about doing in life, think about that. How, how can I start knocking out some of those, the, of the 10,000 hours I need to, to be the best at that, to be ready for that? Proverbs 24 says, 20 verse four says this, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. See guys, work at the right time, good habits and putting in the time at the right time is, to be, is, is good so that you are ready to harvest at the right time. So another habit is your money and spending. That's a big habit. And, and I know you're going, money? I have no money. Will you like to give me money? I will take money. Thank you. I know you're just like, that is not a problem for me because I don't have any money to have it in the beginning. And I get it. So the truth is, this is kind of how God wants it to work. Okay. Maybe you only have a little bit of money. All right. You're like, I have $2 in my pocket right now and I was going to buy a soda. Okay. Whatever it is, the truth is God wants you He wants to see what you're going to do with that little. Look at this in Luke 16. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? So this is is sort of the, the rule of God's kingdom. He says, I'm going to give you a little, 
and I'm going to see what you do with the little, and then if you're good with the little, then I know I can trust you with more. You get to decide when you start being faithful with the little, and you get to decide when that little is your little. And so you can wait till you get a bunch of jobs and, and wait till after college and, and start tithing then. But all of a sudden you get a full-time job or a career job, that little isn't so little. And it becomes a lot harder when you start thinking about, I, have a, uh, I make you know, three grand a month and all of a sudden that, that little that he's asking you to be faithful with, it's, it's tough. And so the first thing you need to know that God asks you to do with your money is tithe. If we are followers of Christ, he asks us to tithe. And that's just a fancy church word for give him the first 10% of our money. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the heavens of, open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough money, enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is one of the only instances in the Bible where God says this, where he says, put me to the test. And it's with our money. He's testing you saying, give me the tithe. And he's saying, test me and see that I won't do this. And that's so important for us to understand that God wants to bless us, but everything that we have is from God. He, he created everything. And so for, for me, when I get a paycheck, I understand that, yes, I worked for that paycheck, but God gave me that job. God, I 100% believe that God gave me this job. And so now I go, okay, I have this money, but God gave it to me and he's asking for 10%. Here's the thing. If I ask you for money back, is that a gift or am I just returning something to you? So if I give you something and, and then you say, and I go, hey, can I have a piece of that back? Is it a gift? Are you saying, yes, I'm so, I'm so kind. Let me give you this. You're going, oh, no, no. You gave me, if it's a Snickers bar, you're like, oh, here's a bite of the Snickers bar because you gave it to me. I want to be nice, right? The tithe is returning, we're just returning something to God because he's asked for it. Anything else, anything above that 10%, that's what we call an offering. So you might hear the, the terms like tithes and offering. Tithe is just returning what God is asking us to give. Offering is above and beyond that. And here's why I say that the habit, this is a good habit to have now. Because maybe you only make 20 bucks mowing a lawn. Well, now your tithe is $2. It's not gonna hurt that much. But when you start making $3,000 a month or $5,000 a month, and now your tithe is like a rent payment or a mortgage payment or a water bill, it's hard to start in that season. But if you start now, when it's little and you trust God, then you're going to see God is faithful. And it's funny. It's like God says, I'm going to give you a little and see if I can trust you. And we almost do the same thing. We say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a little and see if I can trust you. Because then all of a sudden we trust him with our $2 of our 20. And then later on, when we make more money, we go, I can trust you with more, God, because I trust you. when I trusted you with a little bit, you blessed me in high school when I only gave you that $2 for tithe. I, I can trust you with more, God. When I So it's, it's back and forth. It's this really interesting thing. So the reason why I say this is because with this tithe, when you partner with God, you, get a, you have a rich father. I just want you to know that. I don't care how rich your earthly daddy is, your heavenly daddy 
is loaded, okay? And he wants to bless you. He wants to open up the heavens and pour it down on you. And, and he wants to do that. And when we choose not to partner with him in our finances, he can't do that. And so it's, it's not this like, I curse you and will withhold. He's saying, I want to open this up, but you have to trust me with that. And there, it's true that like, yes, he, he could bless you with more, but it's also this idea of protection. And so when we partner with him, he will protect us. Your car will last longer. You'll get insane gas mileage. And, and how can he bless you at this age? Maybe you just get a car rather than having to go, go to the, the car shop or the auto store and buy a new car. Maybe you just get a car. That's happened to people here in this very room where they have not paid for a car yet because they trusted God. Maybe you just get miraculous miles per gallon and all of a sudden your big old huge Ford 350 gets like 20 miles of the gallon and you're just like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe somebody pays for your gas. Maybe somebody just buys you food and you weren't expecting it. But God can bless you without necessarily having to give you more money, but he can make what you have go further. There's a really interesting story in the Bible where Solomon is, is King David's son. And Solomon just became king just at the age of 20. And to celebrate that he became king and to thank God for allowing him to become king, he gave this huge offering of, and, and back in the day, they didn't have necessarily money, it was cattle and sheep. And he just like gave all of this stuff to God, uh, just a massive, we're talking like value now, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to, to, to God in that moment. That night, God comes to him and says, tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. And notice that it was after Solomon had given this huge offering to God, laid it all out, that God says, what do you want? I'm so, I'm, wow, this is such a great offering that you trust me with all of this. I'm saying, what do you want? And I'll give it to you. So Solomon has this one-on-one conversation with his very, very wealthy dad. And he says this, I want wisdom. Solomon doesn't act, could have asked for riches upon riches upon riches, but instead Solomon asked for wisdom. And it's so smart because yes, God asked for 10%, but he doesn't want us to be stupid with the other 90%. He wants us to be wise with it. Yes, he asked for back that 10%, but he still gave us the other 90 and he wants us to be good stewards of it. He wants us to take care of that. And when Solomon says, give me wisdom, God is so happy with him because he knows that means he's going to take care of it. Then God says, that's a really good answer. I'm really glad you asked for wisdom. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you more wealth than any king in the history has ever known. And Solomon was seriously the most wealthy king at that time. He had so much money by the end of his life. And it all started in this moment where he trusted God and gave him that offering. And then God came back to him. So lastly, I got to go quick, is this, God habits. So we have time habits, money habits, and God habits. When I was in high school, everybody wanted to be a youth pastor. And like I said, I didn't want to be a youth pastor because honestly, I thought all of my friends want to be youth pastors. They've got it taken care of. There's only so many youth pastor spots and positions in the world. I don't need to be one. I'll go do my own sciencey stuff. The truth is, none of them are youth pastors. None of them really made it. And, and when I look back at my friends in high school who said they wanted to do that, their lives are very different than mine. And the decisions they're making are very different than 
I would like them to be for them. And I think what just changed the trajectory of my life was the God habits. I, I'm not saying like I was this perfect person. I was a very like normal high schooler, but I, I did the things that any normal Christian we're asking you guys to do up here every week. I, I remember going on missions trips to Mexico and, and just experiencing that. I remember going to every single like winter retreat, big conferences, all those things, except one my sophomore year in Pastor Jail is never going to let me live it down. But almost every single one, all right? And I went to those things and I experienced God's presence. I remember worshiping passionately at those things and every, every week just passionately worshiping and falling in love with God in, in those things. I remember getting into the word and learning the Bible. I'm not saying I was perfect and did it every week, but I did my best to just try and, and, and learn more about him. I tried to keep an open thread of conversation with him where anytime something was going on in my life, I tried to go to him with those things. Anytime I felt like I messed up and did something that wasn't pleasing to him, I, I felt bad and I tried to talk to God. And, and yes, I messed up again and again and again and again. And there's sometimes I felt like, man, I'm, I'm not worth it. But I continued to go after God. And I remember God just listening to God's word and saying, I need to avoid going to those parties because those parties, I'm not going to do what God asked me to do if I go there. I remember avoiding dating because I was like, if I start dating, I'm going to be tempted to do things that I, 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 I don't want to do. And it was those God habits. Did I have to pay a price as a kid, as a teenager? Yeah. But let me tell you now, I'm really glad I did. I'm really, really glad I did. My yes through my younger years meant that God said yes in my later years. That when I asked him for things, when I asked him for my heart's desires, a beautiful wife, uh, an awesome job, uh, 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 beautiful kids, uh, 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 abundant, rewarding life like Jesus promised, when I asked for those things, God said yes because I said yes. Earlier, I told you those stories about those three young people doing some pretty big things, and then I just kind of left it and said they did some important things. But the truth is, is their stories weren't over. George, the surveyor of the Virginia County, uh, later on entered, joined the army, and then he ended up being the general of the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War, and then became the, president of the, the first president of the United States of America. This young man who did this surveying job at 17 became the president of the United States. Clara, who took care of her brothers and became that school teacher, all of a sudden entered in the Civil War into the medical field and helped thousands of people there. And then she founded the Red Cross. David, David Farragut became the, one of the first U.S. Naval Admiral and became a war hero in the Civil War and in the battles there. And so these people who did things, not huge things, but impressive things for young people, went on to do huge things later. These people invested their teen years in a way that shaped them into the history makers they later became. And all throughout the Bible, we see this too. David took care of sheep before he took care of a kingdom. Joseph led a household before he led all of Egypt. Samuel heard God's voice just a small whisper at night when he was a child before he heard the voice of God for an entire nation as the prophet of Israel. Uh, the disciples said just a simple, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, as teenagers before they became the, the, the lead, the people that took off and like, created the first early Christian church. We can do things if we now 
that will affect later. Imagine this with me really quick. If, if you were on a ship and you wanted to go from New York to Paris and you set that rudder to go to Paris, but imagine just a small change in that rudder over the course of the ocean, you would not hit Paris. You would hit somewhere completely different. And I'm not saying make these big, huge changes in your life. I'm saying make the small ones. Change one bad habit into a good habit because you are at a point where you are in a major influencer of the trajectory of your life, where your future holds is so important and what you do with your life right now. If you make small changes in your life right now, it will make huge dividends in your future. Plant the seeds now, the good seeds now, and see the good harvest later. Trust God now and see where he'll take you. Let me pray. God, we thank you for being a God that we can trust. We thank you that you take small steps and you don't ask us always to do these huge things, but you want us to just take the small steps, the small changes in life, changing one bad habit to good habits. And because you are so good, you will take us and carry us and walk with us and change the trajectory and change our future. I pray for each person, each student in this room, God, that they would take the opportunity they have right now to, to form good time habits, to form good money habits, to form good God habits and see in the end how much better their life will become. We love you, God, and I pray that you would be with us and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.